coming to you from the City of Angels. You're tuned in to Rob Save Sports, your daily dose for all things LA sports. Join us and let's save sports one podcast at a time. Now, your host, Robert Yamagata. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Rob Safe Sports Podcast. And today we are breaking down the Clippers NBA preseason games and seeing how that goes. A little bit of Rams talk and the Dodgers playoff race. So we've had two NBA preseason games for the Clippers. Uh, the first one against the uh, second tier team in Israel, which, you know, there really isn't that much to, to go about. They ended up beating them by 40 points. But the most important game so far for this preseason was against Portland Trailblazers, where you had the debut of Kawhi Leonard coming back after over a year of being out with the torn ACL. And he looked pretty good. He looked pretty mobile. There was some some little bit of rust as far as shooting-wise. But he's, he looked like he ran well. He was able to get by guys using his strength to his advantage. A lot of the things that made him a top player in the league. And so it was really good to see him out there to play. Even though it was for only for a half. You could probably expect it to be another half for the next preseason. And possibly for the rest of the preseason. Because there's, there's no reason to push him to his limit through this preseason but it feels like he is going to be ready for the start of the season and you know a lot a lot is not going to be put on his plate and that is because Paul George is on this team too and he looked very good in the Portland game his game was smooth he was able to get shots comfortably able to make tough shots using his length to his advantage Uh, extremely active on defense yeah the whole the whole team was very good and very active on defense which was really great to see they were great on most of the rotations as far as switching uh communicating well for guys to cover once they rotated and there was a lot of good stuff that went to this game you know even even though it's a preseason game and again it's against portland there's not too much stock to take into the win but just the process in itself was a very positive thing to look at. To go down the list, uh, a couple guys who did not play in the Portland game because of little ticky-tack injuries like Terrence Mann, Preston, and Luke who rolled an ankle in the beginning of the Portland game and they just sat him out for the rest of the game. But other than that, everyone pretty played pretty well. You know, John Wall was only one for four. But he showed what I think a lot of Clipper fans were expecting. His ability to get by defenders. His ability as a playmaker. You know, he did make his only three that he took. But that downhill attack is something that is going to be very useful for this team that will kick out to open shooters and have good shooters for John Wall to penetrate and get to the basket. Uh, a couple guys who... It seemed like there was a little bit of a struggle. Uh, Norman Powell, it felt like he was pressing the whole game. He was taking a bunch of quick shots. He took the most shots on the team. 
Uh, well, he was tied. Norman Powell took 11 shots. He only made one shot. Uh, Brandon Boston also took 11 shots, but he made three shots. So I wonder how it's going to be with Norman Powell trying to get minutes and trying to be almost like a microwave scorer off the bench because I don't, I know we talked about it during uh, media day where he wanted to be a starting shooting guard. That was his goal. I don't think it matters too much who's starting at the beginning. It's always the most important on who's finishing the games. And it's going to be interesting with him because I think there are a lot of other pieces that can work, can fill in spots where other guys are struggling. And it's going to be difficult for Tai Lu to maximize everyone's potential with so many guys that need consistent minutes on the team. And so it's going to be cases where if guys aren't playing well and there are other guys on the bench that should get an opportunity to play more, I think Ty Lue is going to do that. And it's just going to be a thing where if guys are struggling, they need to understand that there are other team guys on the roster that can also play too. So that type of competition within the roster is going to be interesting for Tyloo to navigate throughout the season. Obviously that there are going to be games where guys have to sit out for rest or God forbid someone gets injured and stuff like that. But the depth of this team has been the talk as far as how this team can get through a full 82 game season. Because even guys like Amir Coffey, who played extremely well in the Portland game, he's probably the 12th guy on the roster as far as someone to give minutes. But we saw last season, with, with given all those minutes he had last season, he was able to flourish and develop into a very solid player for this team. And he was able to get, he was rewarded with a new deal, uh, a new contract to stay with the team, even though it's very possible he could have left for a better contract for more minutes, more consistent minutes on a different team. But I think there's some indication that he is going to get opportunities to be in the rotation throughout this season. He has proven to be very a very effective player. He's improved on his three-point percentage. He's got the size to defend multiple positions. He's shown to be a very underrated playmaker. He excels at getting to the rim. You know, he's he's developed into a nice complementary player that I think a lot of teams would want to have. And that's also the case going into the season. The amount of roster flexibility that this team has. If something doesn't go their way throughout the season and they're looking to make a big change the type of contracts that they have on the team make it very easy for them to package a couple guys to trade for a better fit but i don't think i don't really see one happening at this point we're about two weeks away from the season starting and it seems like everyone's going to stay put as we start the season. Once we get closer to the trade deadline and once we see how they're gonna play is probably where we're gonna see if a change is gonna be made at that point. But the amount of depth that they have, I expect them to play extremely well 
throughout the season, and I'm hoping for a top three seed at the end of the regular season. And I think the most important, maybe not the most important, but just the most interesting story for the Clippers is the backup center position. Obviously, Ivica Zubak is their starter, their starting center, who looked pretty good too, you know, going against Nurkic, who's a very good big for Portland. He was able to hold his ground and also make some good plays, get some good shots, be that defensive anchor that he's been for the past couple seasons. And with the Clippers, the type of wings that they have, their ability to play small ball lineups are going to be used probably more this season than last season, considering they had Serge Ibaka and Isaiah Hardenstein on the team last season. You had a couple of centers that you could choose from. And with, you know, Serge gone due to a trade and then Isaiah leaving, uh, signing with the Knicks for a much bigger contract, it was clear that I don't think the Clippers wanted to not have a backup center going to the season. That's why they signed uh, Moses Brown and then also drafted a center out of Michigan, Musa Diabate. And just comparing the two guys, I mean, Moses Brown has been in the league for almost four seasons so far. Came, he went to UCLA, a five-star recruit coming out of UCLA, didn't really do much his first year, and then he decided to get drafted, try to go to the draft and get drafted. He was undrafted in his class, but he's been on some you know, lower level teams so far with uh, OKC, Dallas, and Cleveland. And so he hasn't, he hasn't been in like the G League for a period of time just for him to get consistent minutes. He's always been on NBA roster, which I thought was interesting because I feel like for him, because he was so young coming out of, coming out of the draft, that whoever, whichever team drafted him, I think it was more important for him to be getting consistent minutes in the G League if he's not getting consistent minutes at the NBA level. But with the second year when he went to Oklahoma City, you know, OKC wasn't really trying to win at that point. So he was getting almost av- averaging over 20 minutes a game through 43 games uh, during the 2020. 2021 season you know he put up some decent numbers at that time but ever since then it's just been not really getting anything too substantial and when the Clippers were looking for a center a backup center I had Moses Brown first on my list just because of how young he still is you know there are there are other centers that are older, a lot of veteran centers that could be signed later. But I, my feeling was to go after a young center where he still has a little bit of potential. You know, you can't teach 7-2. You want, for a backup big, you're not really asking for someone to come in and be a starter, a starting center coming off the bench. If you can be consistent and give good effort 10 to 15 minutes a night, that's really all that we could ask for for a backup center. 
because the first game he played really well obviously it was against lower tier talent Portland was different was a different story you know he didn't play as much and didn't play as well and the the difference between Moses is you have Musa Diabate on the team too who's their rookie center and ever since he was drafted a second round pick out of Michigan and then breaking down his highlights in Michigan and then seeing kind of what he did a little bit uh, in summer league which wasn't a ton but every time I see him out there I've always liked his energy his motor his ability to defend as a big out on the perimeter which which I think is extremely difficult for bigs at that age with that without amount of inexperience in the NBA and it just goes to show that even though he was a second round pick he was still a five-star recruit coming into Michigan in his freshman year so there's something there that got him to be a top 20 recruit in his class but and obviously I think I can see it a lot clearer than the other Clippers draft picks as far as bigs go he's got a good he already has a good body for someone who's that young he can still fill out a ton but he's his ability to defend and his energy his rebounding and his ability to get inside and be effective in the paint is also something that's stands out like his offensive rebounding and defensive defensive rebound has was pretty active in the portland game the free throws is going to be i think it, it could be an issue for both guys as far as getting consistent minutes because musa dibate he's shooting 50 percent from the free throw line uh, but moses is shooting a little less than 50% from the free throw line so far. And that is going to be a major impact on his ability to be on the floor. And we're going to see how he's going to how they're going to do in a couple other preseason games because I think it's going to be I think if Moses Brown improves and gets better, I would I would think that they are going to choose to have Moose uh, Moses Brown be the backup center for the start of the season and hopefully have Musa Dibatse in their G League and getting consistent minutes because I think he's got the potential to be a solid uh, big for the Clippers. It may not be this year, but maybe in a year or two. And But he looks extremely solid for a guy that, a guy his age. If they don't go with Moses and they cut him I would suggest that they go out and sign a veteran big to be their backup big and still have Musa develop more in the G League there aren't a aren't a lot of veterans left out there you know guys like Dwight Howard DeMarcus Cousins Hassan Whiteside Cody Zeller still out there if I had to choose between the four of them, I would probably go with Hassan Whiteside because I'm not looking for a guy to be an offensive threat coming off the bench. I just need someone to defend the paint, uh, rebound well, and you know finish finish around the rim. That's really all that the Clippers need as far as the backup big goes. 
so far we got two more preseason games to go and we are going to see how it all turns out another quick uh, recap is talking about the Rams they played the Niners on Monday and it was a very pretty poor game for them you know they lost the game 9-24 couldn't score a touchdown at all their running game has consistently been extremely poor throughout this first four games of the season. Uh, Matt Stafford hasn't looked that great for the start of the season either. Just a lot of different issues that they're having. Seems like they've been having a lot of issues offensively and defensively. The defense has been pretty lackluster. A lot of times the defense has been extremely passive as far as guarding the receivers and putting pressure on them which is understandable because there are a lot of young guys a young it's a young defense that they're trying that they're putting out there and as far as the offenses it seems like the offensive line is really not helping uh, protect the quarterback but also getting them allowing the running backs to find holes in their in the run game it's been pretty poor even with regardless if it's cam Akers or daryl henderson it's been pretty bad for both running backs on the rams the red receiving core i mean it's cooper cup and basically nobody else i think tyler higby has been been used a lot more during the start of this season is being featured more a more featured uh, tight end for this team than it has been but the the rabbit receiving core has not been great at all Allen robinson who was supposed to be help a lot has pretty much been invisible for the start of the season you know relying guy relying on guys like skoranek who is okay but i don't know if you are gonna game plan for him specifically and it's just been cooper cup and it's 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 now become an issue because if you only have really one major wide receiver threat the defense is just going to pressure up on cooper cup whether that's doubling him or putting more pressure his way and kind of forcing matt stafford to throw to lesser wide receivers and that's becoming an issue cooper cup had 14 receptions and higby had 10 receptions and then there's no one else with more than four receptions with uh, another receiver and that's that's going to be an issue if they don't figure this out if they don't aren't able to use the other receivers that they have and try to spread that more evenly or at least give cooper less of a less weight to carry for the receiving group because if the if the running up's not working they have to go more and more to the passing to the receiving group and it's just cooper cup and tyler higby so far and you know you wonder how well this team is gonna continue going forward they're two and two right now it is not looking too good but we're really going to see how the season is going to shape up for the next couple games. They got the Cowboys and the Panthers, and then they got the Niners again and the Buccaneers after that. 
I think after this next four game set is where we're really going to see if they're going to be able to make another pro season run or, you know, just kind of fall flat. But we're going to see. The last thing we are going to talk about is the Dodgers playoff race. They have clinched the first seed in for the playoffs. So they will have home court, home court advantage throughout the entire postseason. And from the bracket right now, their first matchup could be between either the Padres or the Mets, who are going to play in the wildcard series. And then you also have Philly and St. Louis playing in their wildcard series with Atlanta as the second seed. Going over to the American League, you have Tampa Bay and Cleveland and Seattle and the Toronto Blue Jays for the AL wildcard series with the New York Yankees as the second seed and the Houston Astros as the first seed in the AL. And as far as the Dodgers go, they have all the tools necessary to make a deep playoff run. They obviously are going to have to make some choices as far as who to keep on their playoff rotation and it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that they have five technically five starting pitchers that they've used throughout the season you know walker brewer has is going to be out for this year so as far as a playoff starter rotation goes i would have to say julio Urias would probably get the start for the first game of the playoffs the second start, I would probably go Tyler Anderson. Third would be Clayton Kershaw. The fourth spot, I think, is probably going to be have to be a combination of Tony Gonsolin and Andrew Heaney, depending on how Tony Gonsolin is. Because uh, Andrew Heaney has, has not been pitching that well coming into the playoffs. Kind of pitching poorly, which is not a great sign. But having Gonsolin back does give them an option to to not overuse or to push uh, Andrew Heaney if they do need him to pitch. They need him to pitch one inning, two innings. I don't think they'll need him to pitch an extended period of time because of the other pitchers that they have. Uh, relief pitching, which has been good too. There are some pitchers that you could, you would say that maybe won't be on the postseason roster. You know, guys like Craig Kimbrell, who is supposed to be there, was supposed to be their closer, but has been really inconsistent to the point where he is unreliable as a, as a closer. And if he's unreliable as a closer, then I don't think you can trust him at all to pitch in the postseason, even if it's not as a closing as a closing pitcher so there's a good chance that he might not be even on the playoff roster there are guys that can substitute being the closing pitcher and it's going to be difficult to try and figure out every game who will be the closing pitcher there could be a guy who comes out and is clearly a starting clearly the closing pitcher for them to use guys like Gratterall or Blake Trinan, but Blake Trinan hasn't pitched 
due to coming back from injuries. So I don't know if you were going to put him into a closing role uh, coming off an injury. doesn't seem like it's going to be a very good idea. But they've been pretty sound. They have a pretty sound uh, relief pitching staff. And I think they're going to have to figure out game by game on who they're going to use to finish games. Obviously, that's not a recipe for, that's not an easy place to be in, but the Dodgers offensively are good enough that they can win based off their hitting, based on the starting pitching that they have, and it's up to the relief pitching to pitch well, get outs, get clean outs and overall this team is very good they broke the franchise record in wins in their franchise and we keep seeing the dominance of the Dodgers throughout the regular season and we just need to see it translate to the postseason other than the 2020 uh, postseason run and I think they can do that they got the pitchers they got the players and it's going to be a wild road to October. And that is going to do it for this episode of the Rob Safe Sports Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you see this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, please rate five stars. And we will see you next time on the Rob Safe Sports Podcast. Thanks for listening to Rob Save Sports. Saving sports one podcast at a time. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. To connect with Rob, visit us on social media at Rob Save Sports. We'll see you next time.